This week, I have the incredible privilege of introducing you to our new friend, Lily Geiger, and the owner of Philia. Now, we are going to talk more throughout this entire conversation about zero-proof or non-alcoholic options that you can serve at your next event. But even more than that, what I am so thrilled to just be bringing you is some conversation that really opened my eyes and I know will open yours too. We will be talking about drinks that you might be serving guests that are happen to be non-alcoholic, but could still be triggering for those on their recovery journey. We also will be talking about why it's important to offer these types of options and five unique cocktails or drinks that you can make with Lily's product, Philia. Now, before we dive into this conversation, I know that there's a lot we don't know about each other, you and I, right? There are pieces of my story that I've shared and a lot that I haven't. So in this conversation, you will hear me talk about how I too, along with Lily, am a child of an alcoholic parent. Now, there are a lot of details that I won't be sharing just to protect those involved, but I did want to say, say this, that I hope through Lily's experience and the little bit that I share about mine too, that any of you listening that are journeying with an alcoholic parent or or someone that you love, if you yourself are struggling, what I hope is that you feel the strongest sense of compassion, of being seen, of being known, and of being welcomed here. I think that there is so much isolation and um, frankly trauma in these types of conversations and these types of situations. And so I hope that through this the rest of this hour, <laughs> however long we're here today, um, that you just feel an overwhelming sense of Um, of belonging. I hope that through every little bit of my story that I'm able to share with you guys um, as they fit in these conversations, that it sparks an added level of um, hopefully trust and connection and of um, taking any anyone out of isolation that's there in their story. I think that stories have the unique ability of bringing us together. And so I hope that by me going first and sharing little bits of mine, you have the courage to go forward and share yours too just like Lily did today. Welcome to Making Room, a podcast by Gather Intentional Living and Everyday Hospitality. Listen, we understand that the way that our culture often portrays hospitality is unattainable, and sometimes even just the thought of opening your door is crippling. Join us in the pursuit to bringing beauty, meaning, and celebration back to the everyday gathering. Go ahead, take your seat. We saved one just for you. Just a friendly little reminder that if you are a regular listener, it would mean the world to us and allow us to keep on welcoming guests and keep the show going strong if you left a review. Now, five stars is always really appreciated. However, a written review goes a long way. So if you could just do me a favor and hit pause and write a quick little blurb about what you love about this show, it would mean the world to us. Thank you so much, guys. We appreciate you and the fact that you come back week after week to hear these incredible, inspiring conversations. So you are the owner of Figlia. Am I saying that right? So it's actually pronounced Philia, but you shouldn't feel oh. bad because most everybody calls it Figlia um, <laughs> and also thinks that there's figs in it, which is so funny because there are literally no figs in this product, but um, yeah, pronounced Philia. Okay. Well, that's really helpful. Okay. (laughs) But I want to start obviously with the correct pronunciation, but also the definition of the word. So talk to me about kind of like the definition behind it and the concept behind that word. 
Yeah, so the definition of filia in Italian translates to daughter, which was a really, um, I think it took me a while to to come to that name. I, I was trying to brainstorm what would make sense given uh, the nature of the product, um, kind of why why I started it and the nature of just the, the story behind it. Um, and it just kind of came to me and seemed to be the perfect name. So, yeah. You have a definition on the bottle of the product. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but it's kind of a concept of like kind of coming around the table. Is that part of it too? Or is that like, yeah, no, of course. So you guys added. Yeah. So we, we definitely wanted to add a definition on the bottle uh, when we were kind of coming up with copy. And I think that what we did was we, we obviously had the, the actual definition, which translates to daughter in Italian. And we have, you know, kind of the way to pronounce it. And then right beneath it, we came up with our own definition of kind of what it means to at least, you know, us, my team, me, um, that sort of thing. And I think it really stands for just community and um, offering everyone a seat at the table. And I think we definitely put an emphasis on the given and chosen family. And I think that that also really ties into the brand ethos of just, you know, being comfortable in with whoever you are with and and in whatever setting and, and being confident in, um, at a table that you wouldn't be judged by anybody and, and that you're, you're always surrounded by people who care about you. So it was kind of a way of just giving customers and the people that are reading it a way of just visualizing kind of what this means to us. Yeah. That was like super powerful to me. So obviously I opened the package that you guys sent and the box was beautiful and the bottle is beautiful. And I got that and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is it. Like (laughs) it just kind of like pulled it all together for me and we can relate to that because that's the heartbeat behind what we do at gather too. So, um, I just loved that. And I wanted to be sure to share it with listeners today too. So, um, you started this brand based on something deeply personal to you. And I kind of want to hear the story from you, whatever extent you're comfortable sharing, um, talk to me about kind of like, I guess, childhood, wherever you feel like it starts best and the story that led you to, to the brand. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, it's hard to say, I guess, when when this started in my life, but definitely from a really young age um, and and from a time where I could start remembering things like this. But um, for those of you who don't know, I grew up with an alcoholic parent. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic and spent a lot of my life kind of in and out of relapsing and going into rehabs and um, going into AA and talking about it and and so I think for me as an only child and also um, a child of divorced parents, that gave me kind of a real um, glimpse into what what the life of someone like that is is like and, and how that also related to me and my experience. So I think I was able to see a lot of it firsthand that I might not have been able to see if maybe I had another parent living with me um, to protect me in that in that way. And so I was able to really get to know my dad. Um, I guess, you know, more as a person, but also just to see just the way that this was affecting him and to see that in, in the way that it's portrayed in films or television usually is like, they're really aggressive and abusive physically. And that's really not, um, that, or at least that wasn't the case, uh, in my life. And that, that isn't the case in a lot of people's lives that I've spoken with. So kind of, kind of getting this, this experience really led me to wanting to bring to market something that would be something that someone who can't drink can have, um, and something that would feel sophisticated in the way that it looks and the way that tastes, but, but doesn't trigger them. So it's not like an alternative to booze where it's like, okay, this is a non-alcoholic gin. 
tequila, whiskey, like it's not going to trigger them in that way. Um, so that was really important to me because I I was, was able to see the way that interacting in social settings and, and not having, um, something that felt up to par with, with what everyone else was drinking and, and having to resort to juices and sodas and, you know, just things that just feel super juvenile to them is, is really hard and Hmm. and isolate them. Hmm. Well, I love just reading. Um, well, I, I didn't love it. Like it's obviously a really difficult topic. And I was, um, sharing with your team that I I connect to a lot of your story. Um, I grew up with a alcoholic father too. My parents got divorced when I was about 13. And unfortunately there wasn't, you know, a lot of change that happened from there, just kind of almost a downward spiral, which kind of led us to have to lose contact, um, just for, you know, healthy boundaries. And so, um, I get that it's heavy. It's hard, especially as a kid processing. I remember I was taking those dare classes. Did you guys have to take those? (laughs) I actually only took that really in college. It was like one of the uh, mandatory courses, but no, I had, I never did it in in high school or elementary school or middle school. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was like a big fourth grade thing. Um, and I remember they were teaching us all this stuff about alcohol and I would come home and I'm like, wait a second, this doesn't match up or the behavior I'm seeing is not, you know, is detrimental to you and our family. And this is like super hard, um, to kind of navigate as a kid. So that was kind of the beginning of my processing on how to help my dad and how to create my own beliefs around alcohol and things like that. But the loss of your dad is kind of what sparked, kind of a curiosity to you about culture and what culture says about alcohol. Um, so talk to me about that process for you and kind of what your eyes were opened to. Yeah. I think that, you know, as a society and at least in, in America, um, we are taught that binge drinking is, is normal. And I think that I definitely saw that more so in college. Um, I grew up in Manhattan, so, you know, you can, at at a high school party, people are drinking liquor. They don't need to drink beer in someone's basement. They're like going out to bars. And so I think that, you know, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I think that it kind of, um, I I don't know. I I think that I was able to see that a lot of my friends were able to become a little bit more adults at a younger age, which would make sense. And then once I went to college, it just felt like a free for all. And I felt like I was in um, the setting where everyone was drinking to points where they would be hospitalized or would just be, you know, completely um, unaware of what happened the night before. And and so it was, it was scary. I think for me, who was just super hyper-conscious and aware of, of mm. drinking and, and the dark side of it and, and what it could do to somebody, that was really hard for me. But I think, you know, in general, kind of once the pandemic hit, I was able to see that so many people were uh, drinking more than ever. And, um, and I think it made a lot of people kind of rethink the way that they were drinking and the way that they were living and, and kind of reassess, you know, what, is this, is this kind of a slippery slope? Is this, is this becoming something that is irreversible or something that I need to like really take the reins on and, and switch over and change? Um, and I think that, you know, I've never really worried about my own drinking cause I think I've just been really cautious and, and drinking too much. Um, can be really scary for me. I think that's not really something that makes me feel comfortable. So I think that, you know, we were all super bored. I think I would, you know, have a glass of wine with my roommate every night. We'd be like, well, what do we do? Let's like, let's create, you know, let's do a board game and, or a puzzle and like have a glass of wine and just talk. Cause we were just kind of, that was really all we had going for us. And then I'd wake up and I'd be like, okay, I just don't feel so good. Like I kind of feel groggy. And so that really inspired me to kind of try to find other options because I wanted the ritual of having a drink every night of just having something to sip on and something to look forward to. 
<laughs> uh, once work was over, but I didn't want to drink alcohol. So I was kind of trying everything that I knew was on the market that, you know, there weren't any non-alcoholic bottle shops or marketplaces at the time. So it's kind of just, you're left to your own, you know, I guess you're, you're left to your own grocery store or, um, not much of the liquor store. So you're kind of like, do I mix this fruit juice with this, like in seltzer water? It was just kind of makeshift and, and felt a little too sweet. And, um, and I kind of felt like a kid, so it wasn't yeah. really the same, the same effect. Um, and then I think there were a few products on the market that I was able to try and I really liked them, but I didn't think that, um, they were anything that I'd want to have every night. Uh, some of it was too bitter or too like earthy tasting. And I was like, I just like, don't think I can have this every night. It kind of hurts my tummy or like, it doesn't, um, I don't know. It doesn't taste like it's something that would be, um, good for me every night. So I was able to kind of come up with things that I really liked about each product and find things that I didn't like. And and then I kind of started dreaming up this brand and, and what this would taste like. And it, and it came to be. Oh my word. And so when was the, when was the start date? Like when was the the launch? So our launch was actually April 28th of last year. So it's almost a full year, which is oh my really word. Okay. Yeah. Wow. You guys made incredible, pro- like just the brand. It just looks so established. You know, when you go on the website, just the bot, you know, I don't usually see brands this young with such sophisticated, I don't know, like branding and products. So good job to all of you guys. Thank you. Oh, and I love to see all of you guys because it's literally me and one other person and we're always just like behind Stop the it. <laughs> It's so funny. It's really funny. I think it, over email, people will be like, um, like, you know, can we send something over for you and your team? Like how many? And I'm like, oh, it's just the two of us. And, and <laughs> one of us is a full-time employee and that's me. So yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, not to say that. I mean, the, the no, I get I, it. <laughs> it's just like my, I don't know what I would do without her. If she, if she said she had to leave, I would be like, all right, I, I'm going right. to really rethink everything. It's just, it's really, um, it's been really great. Um, but yeah, right. it's, it's funny to see how a lot of brands that are competitors for us have huge, um, not only, you know, teams, but like they have so much money behind them and we yeah. are shopping. and that's been pretty interesting to kind of see how far we've been able to take it given the the fact that we're bootstrapping. Yeah, totally. But it kind of made me laugh when you said that, because it's actually my husband and I, and then my friend, Rachel, who's been helping with the podcast and people will say, where's your headquarters or how many locations do you have? Yeah. And we always joke. It's like, well, we have the mud room, the kitchen and the living room. There's yeah. <laughs> three yeah. locations. Oh, I know. I, I basically work from home and I live in the East village and I live right above a public school and the kids scream like it's oh, like they're being word. chased. Like it, it is terrifying for people on calls. They're like, are you okay? What's going on? I'm like, oh, I just, you know, I'm this is my office. So it's funny. Anyway, I love knowing that about you because it makes it that much more like admirable because people yeah, don't know the work. Say it again. I was saying, I feel like it's more approachable. Like, I feel like, you know, you don't have to be this huge, you know, corporation and, and you can still kind of make it work if you, if you care about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good reminder. I always like leaving little nuggets like that for people that have a dream that you don't have to wait for like the full funding or the full team to just start, you know, you can get so far. Um, it's so it's incredibly important to you. Like you said before that your products aren't triggering. And I think that this might be the first time that many of us are thinking about this. Um, I think there are a few products on the market that maybe we could grab and serve a guest, but a lot of them, like you said, taste like alcohol. Um, and so what are some of the things like, Hmm, I don't want to say this innocently that we may be serving our guests that could be triggering. 
I mean, I think that it, it's, it's for the most part, I think the most triggering things are like a non-alcoholic beer or a non-alcoholic liquor that directly is like a, a non-alc whiskey, mm-hmm. bourbon, uh, tequila, gin, vodka. Like that's like that tastes like an on out beer tastes like a beer. It just doesn't have alcohol in it. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like drinking a coffee, but it's decaf. Like it still tastes like a coffee for the most part. So I think that, um, I can't speak for everyone, you know, and, right. and people are on different paths and at different, you know, you know, I guess, phases of their sobriety. So if, if you feel like you're totally fine drinking a non-alcoholic beer, then I'm like, good for you. Uh, but I think that that can be triggering for people just by the taste. And I have a friend um, who doesn't drink and I think he was served an, an actual beer um, wow. when he ordered a non-alc beer and he didn't realize until after he started to kind of feel a buzz on. He was like, I was really upset because I had completed X amount of days of, you know, sobriety. And it just really made me feel bad because I, I didn't even make this decision to do this, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I had no idea. So what would you say is a safe way? So I'm thinking of maybe a guest that's having 20 people over, maybe they don't know most of them and they want to have a non-alcoholic option. Would you say something like Philia is a good, like a, yeah. a safe, you know, yeah, I, think so. I mean, yeah, I really do think so. I think that Philia, like, you know, many other aperitifs are meant to be savored just in, even in its um, alcoholic state, you know, like if you're in Italy and you're ordering a Campari, like you're not downing that it's, it's, it's a concentrate. So I think that to begin with, um, you know, Philia has that sophisticated flavor where it has a little bit of a bitterness to it, but it's not too bitter where it's overpowering. And I think that it's, Unlike its competitors, I think there are some that are a little too bitter and it's kind of hard for everyone to enjoy. I think this really was, and that was important to me to not make it too bitter um, because I think everyone around the table enjoys it. I haven't met many people who've told me that they don't like the taste, which is, which is pretty cool to us. Um, And I think that, um, yeah, I think, I mean, even a kid, if a kid wanted a sip, they, they would probably be able to enjoy it. So I love that. I was just quickly looking through some of the recipes on your website that you guys have. And it's just so amazing how like enticing they are. Like you really want them, you know, like you were saying so many non-alcoholic options. It's like, Oh, have this flavor seltzer. It's like, I drink seltzer with a sandwich at lunch. Like that's not what I want. (laughs) Yeah. And it's hard to think about it then in the same way, because you, you, it's still so casual. Um, Uh It's nice to have, even, you know, with a lot of the canned versions of, these non-alc options, they're really small. And I think that's great because it really keeps it at this, you know, you're not downing a, a 12 ounce or eight ounce can because it's not like a, like a soda. It's really something that's supposed to be savored and it's supposed to feel special. Hmm. I really, really love that. So, um, quickly. So I looked at a few of the recipes, like I was saying, but I want to hear from you. Let's talk about some of like the maybe craft cocktail type options and the way that you use Philia, your favorite way to drink it. Um, some recent ideas you guys have developed. Any of your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think a lot of the uh, recipes that we started with were super sophisticated. So I, I mean that in the sense of just there, it takes a few steps to kind of make some of the ingredients. You know, we had someone really great. It was, um, he was head of bartending at the standard downtown, um, in New York city. And he helped us craft these like three really great recipes, but some of them had, you know, simple syrups that had to be infused with certain things, or, you know, you're adding balsamic vinegar. And I think that those are great. And I love to drink them still to this day. Um, but I think we needed to come up with some things that were just really easy for people just with two ingredients to, you know, get maybe three ounces or two ounces of philia and top it with sparkling water or tonic water. Um, or, you know, mix in a little orange juice or grapefruit juice. So I think, you know, having those simpler 
um, recipes have been really, really nice for at least our customers that, that don't really know too much about the space and don't really, they want to make something quick at night. They don't want to do a 12 step simple syrup, which I totally understand. So I think in that regard, we've been able to kind of have a full spectrum of, of recipes that, that are really approachable to people. And also some that if, you know, if you're hosting people and you want to serve something really sophisticated, you can, you can make up one of our other drinks that are really kind of intricate and, and Mm -hmm. really special tasting. Similar to you um, and just your journey with navigating, having an alcoholic parent and your own journey with just like, you know, drinking, um, social drinking. I I'll have a glass of wine once in a while, but my friends always tease me. I'm a pretty boring drinker. (laughs) Like I never get the fun, like craft drinks, but I mean, for me, I'm pretty open with my friends about it. That's what my dad's problem was like the really hard stuff, you know? And so I've just never known how I was going to respond. So I just haven't gone there, but I love on your website, things like the sour flower, because they're so they're beautiful, right? They're beautiful when they're served. They're really special to have with a nice dinner. So something like this, the sour flower, I'd be totally into. So it's the philia ginger beer, grapefruit juice, sparkling water, and a grapefruit slice. And I wish I could just like insert a picture right here. Cause it's so beautiful. <laughs> um, out of the ones on the homepage, I'm kind of scrolling through as we're talking. Is there one that's kind of like your go-to favorite? I actually really love sour flour, especially I think in weather where like, you know, it's warm and you, you want to be outside, you want to, um, cool off. You don't want anything warm. We have another drink called the fireside fury, and that's definitely something that's more seasonal with, you know, fall winter. But I think that in the warm weather, it's really, uh, nice to have something like the sour flour, even just a normal spritz where you're having, you know, philia with a little bit of sparkling water and orange rind or orange zest and yeah. So fun. Well, in a few weeks, we still have, we're going to be deciding the date soon. You're going to be coming on Instagram stories, right? To talk through some of these drinks and maybe we can create some kind of like ingredient list for people to have to create with us. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. I'm excited for that. Um, well, another thing that you're passionate about and I'm really, yeah, I'm excited, uh, just to hear some of your thoughts on this is inspiring open conversations around alcohol consumption. Um, So as we think about being in community and opening our doors, there's no doubt that we're going to face various situations with alcohol, whether it's someone maybe over drinking at a party or someone that we love kind of seeing going down that slippery slope. What are some of the ways um, that you recommend people approach these situations? So either in the way of um, expressing concern or showing support, because I think what we all know is. I think sometimes there are really good intentions, but it's not always approached well. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's hard. I think I, I sometimes start to kind of think too hard on this because like, in, in my situation, it's all in hindsight, right? Like what I was dealing with then I'm not really dealing with now. And I think once you lose somebody to something like this, you, all you can think about is what could I have done differently? So huh. I think in that regard, I like to not say that anything is the right way to do anything. Cause it's just, sure. it's such a, um, circumstantial situation. And, and I think that alcoholism comes in all shapes and sizes and in all different degrees. And I've seen, I've had so many people in my life that I, I believe have drinking problems, but they, they aren't the same as the others. Like, you know, everyone is different. Um, and I think that, and, yeah, I think that it also is rooted in different ways. You know, there's there's just different reasons why people drink the way that they do. So yeah. I think, you know, it's it's really helpful, like or it was helpful for me 
to have honest conversations with my dad and to just not have him try to hide it anymore. I think that with alcoholics, you know, and maybe this is just the nature of having a, a kid and, and not wanting to scare them or to just be, I'm sure, really embarrassed and humiliated, which which never really stopped. That was always really kind of like an underlying thing wow. um, is just hiding liquor and, and hiding um, booze kind of anywhere. And, and then you just notice someone has a buzz on and you're like, wait, wait, are you drunk right now? Or have you been drinking and the, the lying? And so I yeah. think that my my biggest piece of advice would just be just don't ever fight with a drunk person. Mm-hmm. Always just try to catch them in the morning and, and talk about it. And I think that that can always escalate. And you, and you just end up kind of going in circles and, and you feel upset as the person who's, who's dealing with the, that, that person. And um, so, yeah, but I think, yeah, having honest conversations and just being really supportive in the ways that you can be. And if they ever ask you to come to some outpatient thing or want to talk to their sponsor, like I was always open to doing that just because I really wanted to, to work on things and to, to be a support system for my dad in the ways that I could be, but I was really young. So at the same time, it was like, I had to live my life and go to school. And, um, so yeah, there was a lot that I couldn't do, uh, maybe in the same way that a partner for him could have done. But I will say that it was, it was something that to this day, I feel really good about that. I was able to be there and to do that. And then obviously kind of like what you said in your situation is just then building boundaries and sticking to them because at some rate you have to protect yourself. Like I, I've, I've felt kind of in, in starting this brand and, and starting to honestly talk about it, which I really hadn't ever done in my life. Um, is, can I really speak to this? You know, is that my place? I'm not an alcoholic. And and then I really thought long and hard about it. It was like, yeah, this is my experience. I was, I was tortured and I, I was also really like actively living through that for most of my life. So yeah, yeah, I think you gotta, you gotta really respect yourself and, um, take care of yourself more importantly. Yeah. But like as a host, I think one of the sim- one of the most simple ways that you could show someone support is just by having a, an option. You know, I think of I commonly think of, you know, like if someone was gluten-free, you would likely have a gluten-free option for them. So it's you think of it the same way with just like craft drinks, just having another option to make them feel like they have a seat at the table. Totally. I think that's great, you know, to have those options, you know, when you're hosting people, because it really is isolating. Kind of like I said, where you're just serving everyone a glass of wine or making them a cocktail. And then it's like, Oh, I also, I have a LaCroix for you. And you're kind of like, well, okay. Uh, it just kind of makes people feel like they're second string and that sucks. Yeah. 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 And it's the same thing. Like I, I think, you know, I, because I am gluten-free and I do a lot with special diet stuff in the brand. Um, it's, I think it's common to joke with people like, Oh, your gluten-free options over there or whatever. It tastes like cardboard. You know, there's all those jokes that people just kind of like slide in there. I think it's really important when you're serving these options to not make people feel um, like belittled, I guess, for drinking them, eating them, but just kind of like offering it with excitement and inclusion, like you would anything else, um, especially with alcohol. So or even, you know, if it's your friend or family member, like, oh, I'll have one with you. Like, why why not? I love that. I love that. Yeah. That's really good. (laughs) Okay. Well, anything else, I guess, about maybe what you've learned in culture or things that you're doing through the brand that you want people to know about? I mean, things that I've learned just along along the way of just kind of starting the brand, you mean? Um, really whatever, like anything, maybe that's inspiring you or recently, like you feel enlightened by, (laughs) I mean, yeah, I'm constantly feeling enlightened. I think that 
for someone my age who hasn't ever really been in this space, I've never worked in food and beverage before. Yeah. I feel like I'm constantly teaching myself things. Um, yeah, I think I've learned that what's kind of, I guess a lot of it has been mostly just really rewarding on like getting everyone's feedback and people hearing the story and then feeling comfortable talking about their own experience with some, a loved one who, um, you know, is either an alcoholic or just struggling with their drinking. And so that's been really great for me. And I think that the only downside I'd say is because I don't really have many, um, I don't know. I don't think that I really necessarily have a mentor in this, in this space yeah. and my position. And I don't really have many connections with, you know, uh, I guess other founders in the space. It has felt super isolating. So I think I have been surprised at just how um, exclusive it can feel and and how lonely it can feel. That's been something I definitely have realized. But nonetheless, you know, I, I feel that so many people have been so great and so friendly and um, and just really excited to help a brand that is that is working towards what we're working on, you know, and a lot of people will get on a call, whether it's a vendor or a stockist or anybody, and they'll hear our story and they'll be like, wow, I, I feel so, or even us on this podcast, you know, wow, I feel so connected to your story and you, because I also share a similar story and you just don't really get those interactions unless you share first. Yeah. And, yeah. And mm-hmm. especially when it comes to this, you know, people are really embarrassed to talk about this. So if I can just be that one voice and that one person that people feel comfortable, you know, even just listening to and not even responding. And if it, that changes someone's mindset or uh, makes them feel less alone, like that's, that's really like so worth it to me and wow. makes me want to continue doing this. For people, customers on the outside to realize too, when there's brands to kind of cheer them on with their product and what they're developing, but also as people, um, you know, because there's two very real sides of starting a business. We end each conversation with the same three questions for every guest. And I want to hear your answers as well. Um, what is something that you've eaten recently and loved? Ooh, this is a good question. Um, and you're in the city. So I feel like I'm, I probably have serious food envy. <laughs> I mean, I honestly feel like I'm, it's, I'm from New York. I think I mentioned this earlier. So I feel like I always eat at the same places. And I feel like some of my boyfriend will get frustrated with me. He'll be like, don't you want to try somewhere new? Or like, and I'm like, no, I just want to go to the same diner or whatever. But I was recently in London um, with my mom and my boyfriend, and I was um, able to eat the most incredible Indian food. And I love Indian food so much. So we went to a few different places, but I mean, Dishoom in London, like if you've anyone's out there that's been there, it's like the most insane food. Um, and we also wow. went to, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like G Y M. K H A N A Gymkhana or Gymkhana. I don't know, but I was also incredible Indian food. So I was spoiled in London. Wow. I never hear of London and like the food culture, but I know it's a very diverse place, right? So that's incredible. I love Indian food too. Um, I was just talking to someone about it the other day that recently moved here from India and is starting a restaurant. Like, well, you know where I'll be the next few weeks. (laughs) I grew up on Indian food. Like I had a single dad. So we're just like ordering food every night. He's like Indian. I'm like, dad, I literally have had curry every single night this week, but yeah, no, I'm down. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. It never gets old. Um, something that you have found to be beautiful lately. New York city. I always think New York city is beautiful. It's my, my favorite city in the world. And, um, I'm always like in awe of it, even though I've been here for now 26 years, I just like wow. walk around with my headphones on and I'm like, I'm just like the luckiest person to live here. That sounds so wow. funny, but 
I mean it. I really love it here. I recently was talking to someone, um, a speaker at a retreat that I went to, and he said that him and his daughter go out one night a week. I think it was Thursday nights and they just take pictures of the city. And I know, and they've been doing it since she was little and they never like lose things to take pictures of, you know, they're never short on things to take pictures of. And I thought that was so, so cool. Just hearing that love of New York city, like you just said, and also time with his daughter. So yeah, I haven't been able to to stay away from it for too long. I lived in LA for three years and during COVID, which everyone was like, are you crazy? Everyone's doing the opposite. I was like, I think I'm going to go home now. I'm ready to go back. Yeah, no, there's a lot to love about it. Um, and a gathering you attended that made you feel a strong sense of belonging. And if you could pinpoint it, what it was that made you feel that way. Gathering. Um, And it doesn't have to be like a formal, like any time that you were with, with a group of people. Yeah. I think, um, this past summer I did a trip to, um, Lake George and the Adirondacks with my family, my dad's family. And I was able to spread my dad's ashes there. It was like the last Mm. quarter ashes. And it was just like the most amazing experience. I hadn't gotten to spend that much time with my family like that in a while. And I was just so grateful the entire time (laughs) to being there with them and having a great relationship with them. It was really special. (laughs) I guess one last question for you, as you were going through the loss of your dad, were there any resources that um, were particularly helpful for you in that grieving process? Like anyone listening today that maybe has a similar experience. That's why I'm asking. I wish I knew more at the time and I wish I, I actually, um, yeah, I think I wish I, I dove a little deeper in maybe Al-Anon, which I, by the way, I still have never been to, and that sounds really crazy. Um, but I think, I mean, the only thing I can say is like, I, I really thank God for yeah. my friends and family and being able to really talk to them about it and just having community in that time. Cause it's really scary. Um, but I wish I I had read more books or listened to more podcasts or had places like Partnership to End Addiction, who we actually give proceeds to, because they have all the resources and they offer all this help to family members of you know those who are struggling with hmm. addiction of all sorts. So I wish, yeah, I wish I had more of that. So I don't know if I can really be the person to say that in that moment I I had all these great resources because I didn't. I think I was too young. And yeah. too scared. I was in the, it was in the middle of college. I didn't really have time wow. to kind of, to do that. Well, no, I mean, there's no right or wrong answer. I'm always just curious, but the power of community, like there's, there's no questioning the, the power there. So that, that alone is a very, very valuable resource. So, well, if people want to purchase, follow you, find you all of those things, where do you want to send them? So you can buy direct to consumer online. You can buy our bottle and it'll come right to your door at drinkphilia.com, which is really great. We have bundles of one, two, and six. Um, so it depends how much you like it. You can order a lot of <laughs> or you can just try one bottle. Um, we're also sold at so many stores around the U.S., um, including Hawaii, Alaska. We're in Bermuda. It's like crazy. Oh, my word. Out. Um, and if you want to chat or just follow us on Instagram, we're at drinkphilia. I'll link all of that in the show notes. Well, thank you so much. This was so rich. Um, just love sharing about your brand and your story. And I think what I love about it too, is, um, just giving the permission for people to start talking about it. You know, um, you don't need to stay in isolation with your story. You don't need to feel shame in your story. Um, if you know, actually you saw what happened today, it actually sparks connection. So yeah, use that as permission to move forward with that. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Lily. This was this was a joy and I'm sure not the last of our conversations. <laughs> yes, this is that.
See you next week, guys. 